0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats, because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients, This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to Ask Lisa at Episode 60. What makes for a good divorce? You know, we're talking about divorce this week, and something you told somebody years ago still sticks in my mind when you said just because you get divorced doesn't mean that the marriage was bad.
1: That's right. I think, um, you know, we get married And we're one age and we're one person and then we grow and change and we don't always grow in the same direction. And I was, I was talking with a friend of mine who had recently divorced and I don't always assume people are heartbroken about Mm. it, though sometimes they are. And it became clear that she was not heartbroken about it. And I said, you know, just because something's not good forever doesn't mean it wasn't good.
0: That's such a good quote.
1: It helps. It helps. And it's even true of things like friendships that don't last forever and ever. And, and I think sometimes we can have this idea that if it doesn't have a happy ending, the whole thing's bad. And that's mm-hmm. not usually the case. I've, I never had
0: that perspective before until you said that. And a lot of people are reevaluating their relationships with everybody, you yeah. know, from spouses to friends uh, in this pandemic. So this letter we got, it I want to read this to you. It says, hi, Dr. Lisa, my husband and I are getting divorced and my six-year-old daughter has been hammered this year with life in a pandemic and her parents' separation. She seems fine on the surface, but I'm very aware of how sad and stressed she is deep down. Last night, I asked if she's been sad since her dad moved out. She said yes, and that, quote, things feel complicated now. I feel her pain and wanted to know what a single parent like me should do to help. Also, I want to get help from a psychologist for both of us, but I find it's hard to find a good one, and she doesn't like to sit and open up in a virtual session at all. Can you talk a little bit about the general methods of searching for a good psychologist? Thank you. Mm. Uh, It sort of broke my heart because you know that there are so many other kids also going
1: through this, first off. There were a lot of divorces in the pandemic. Yes. that that was one of the early statistics, is a lot more filings um, for divorces, and so... It's happened. Um man, it's a really good letter.
0: Yeah, it is a good letter. So the child was saying that it's complicated here, is sort of sort of vague. Yeah. What worries do kids whose parents are getting divorced have that adults might not
1: think about? That's the key, right? Like right out of the gate, right? That's the question. You know, that this kid is saying, you know, the mom consents that she's in pain and the kid's saying, Yeah, it's complicated, but complicated is vague. And It's such a loaded thing for a child when parents divorce, even if there's been a lot of open disagreement and there's been a lot of friction. um, It's a big deal, always a big deal when when parents decide to split up. I do like to think a bit developmentally about what the likely culprits are. So for younger than six, but maybe even still at six, Kids can have a lot of causal questions. They cannot be entirely Mm. sure how cause and effect works. So if you've got a child zero to five for sure, well, obviously zero is not going to be that verbal, you want to be very clear that the child didn't do or say anything that brought the divorce about, which of course wouldn't occur to a parent, but it would occur to the child. And also that the child has no power to do or say anything to make the divorce go away. You know, kids can think, Oh, if I had just not spilled the juice and then got you upset and then daddy was upset because you were upset, maybe then you wouldn't get a divorce. So with littler kids, we definitely want to say, you know, this is a decision that, you know, let's we're assuming here, you know, the letter's a heterosexual relationship, you know, this is a decision that your dad and I made, and it has nothing to do with anything you did or didn't do. You know, they kind of insert that, and it's worth saying probably that well into development. And then to say, and just because we're not wanting to be a couple anymore, that love has died down, doesn't change at all, our love for you and, um, and our shared delight in watching you grow. You know, something like that, to really help the child make a separation between choices the parents are making and um, what the child may be you know, thinking or worrying about
0: themselves. Is that for any age group? So I'm hearing you say, one, letting them know this wasn't anything they did that caused this. Yeah. And two, that that love, support, and
1: structure will still remain and be there. That doesn't change. That doesn't change. And I think that those are things that we say at every age. You know, just, you know, we don't want to be a couple anymore, but that doesn't change the fact that we love parenting you together or that we are going to continue to both be, you know, your mom and your dad or your, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I think you know in this letter so thinking now developmentally so zero to five you got to cover those bases for sure but probably a little later into development six one thing that six-year-olds are very preoccupied with is wrongdoing and and fault and guilt you know it's it's very much the nature of being six years old you're very curious about that so when I hear a six-year-old saying "Oh, it's complicated mm-hmm. what I presume developmentally is they're thinking Whose fault is this? Like mm. so you've taken them off the hook by saying it's not your fault, but they're like, well then whose fault is it really? You know, they're they're very curious about this. And so with a six year old, and again, older kids certainly may want this kind of information, um, it may be worth saying, and this gets very tricky about how the divorce actually came about you know, this is a decision we came to together, you know, the relationship was no longer working for us, you know, this is a place we're saying just because it wasn't good between us forever doesn't mean it wasn't good and we have you and that's, you know, the best thing to come out of this marriage and we both value that. But to try to address the no one's at fault, no one's to blame, we're all moving forward um, but Rena, you know, what this really makes me think about is our most recent episode of like the front stage and the backstage. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. Because there's a lot of front staging and backstaging when you're a yeah. parent who's divorcing. There's what you're saying to your kids to support and get them through it. Yeah. Which may be pretty different from what the full reality is about, you know, how the parent themselves is feeling about the divorce, how the parents arrived at the divorce. And and I think that there's often such a huge tension in divorcing families about mm-hmm. how much do we explain that there was an affair? How much do we explain that we couldn't get along financially? I mean, how much do we yeah. lay bare all of those details versus how much do we? And, I, you know, I, I think the best term for it is like put on a good face and say whatever our challenges are, those are not for you to worry about. Here's what you need to know. We love parenting you and we're no longer, you know, spouses, but we are still co-parents. And that is something that, you know, is what you need to focus on. And that's what we're going to focus on.
0: But, you know, I imagine when you're divorcing someone, most likely you can't stand the other person. You don't even want to co-parent. Right. How, how can you make divorce easier when you can't stand that person and you want to tell your kid it's his fault because you Absolutely. probably feel that way, or it's her fault because you probably feel that way.
1: Absolutely. So you know, right? People don't get divorces because things are going well, right? right. So, so we have this very real problem of an adult who is—I will also just say—they're a wreck. I mean, getting a divorce mm-hmm. is a horrible thing, even if it's the one that you you wanted the divorce and you've been wanting the divorce, right? When the moment comes, the parent is a mess. I mean, that and and just so struggling themselves. And so then from that position to have to basically bring the best parenting to the table they've ever brought um, while also trying to be neutral and generous about the other parent who they cannot tolerate or who they feel badly hurt by, right? I mean, if you want to watch people do some Herculean stuff, it is this moment in, in a life. So let's go big here, Rena. Mm-hmm. Let me just say what parents really, really, really want to avoid. And then we can get into the nuances of what they might do instead. So for decades, we've studied divorce. And um, this research really took off in the 70s when divorce took off. And um, really, a devoted group of researchers started measuring everything that went down in a divorce, you know, whether there was financial difficulty, whether there were moves, whether kids were moved from their school, whether, you know, visitations like all sorts of variables and then looking at how kids fared over time and and you know there were a lot of data points to work with and one thing came blazing through as a thing that's going to really make it hard for your kids to thrive and it wasn't moving it wasn't finances it wasn't all of these like really disruptive aspects of life that sometimes come with divorce it was whether or not the parents were in conflict in front of the kids. Whether the kids were exposed to ongoing conflict between the parents was the number one driver of outcomes that we don't want. So what I would say to parents is that's your focus, right? Whatever else has happened, your focus is not to expose your kids to ongoing conflict between you and your ex. And so that takes a form. That's so hard. Lisa,
0: that's so hard because you try not to argue in front of your kids. First off, this pandemic has had us all on top of each other and driving each other mad. We all know that. And to to not fight, like, how do you set that up? Because
1: you probably want to strangle that person. You're so fed up. So you might fight if there's any way to do it away from the kids, where they can't hear it, they can't see it. If you're going to fight, that's the goal, right, is to try to insulate them from that. Not easy. Not easy. Um, Of course, I would want people in counseling. Of course, I would want people to go maybe have their fights in an office where they could get some help. Um, Even if they're splitting up, the goal then is to resolve the relationship so that they can co-parent together. Um, But I would just say take it elsewhere. If you must fight and if it's ugly, like take it elsewhere. I'd rather there not be ugly fights, but I get it. The other challenge then is to not talk bad about the other parent to your oh, kids. Oh, that's so hard! Come on, I that's know, so hard. I know. I know. And especially when it's like right there in front of everybody, and you are really, really um, undone by the divorce. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and to you know have a kid who's maybe even asking questions like, "Well, why? Why?" Right? I mean, it would be very hard not to be like, well, I'll tell you why, right? And here's what I would say about why if you need a reason to restrain yourself, here's the reason to restrain yourself. Kids are made up of their parents. They identify with and admire and want to have good feelings about their parents. And so when you trash your ex, your kid feels an injury in there because they feel connected to that person and that that person is part of them and they have that person in them. So when you're trashing your ex, your kid feels it too like that they're being trashed a little bit too. What? I have never thought of it that way. Yeah. No, I think we want to think about it that way. So wow. if, you know, if this mom is like, "Oh, your dad blah 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 blah." The little girl, the part of her that loves her dad, the part of her that feels like her dad, The part of her who has aspects of him that she wants to be like those are getting hurt by what the mom is saying about the dad
0: wow that's so good to remember because even if you're not getting a divorce it's been tough these past two years and having everyone living together so closely 24 hours a day practically you forget how that
1: can affect development even if you're still together it can. It can. I'll tell you, Reno. You know, one thing that happened in the time I was in training. So I went to graduate school. I started in the fall of 1993. Mm-hmm. And um, email had just begun. It was the, just the earliest iterations of email. And I was doing a huge amount of work around divorce and helping divorcing families as email really gained traction Email's the best thing that ever happened to divorce. <laughs> really? Why? Yeah. Well, because it used to be before email, which I know feels like basically historic times, right? Before email. <laughs> that if parents needed to communicate or exes needed to communicate, they had to get on the phone or they had to see each other. And then it could get very ugly very fast. And with email, what needed to be communicated, because of course if you're co parenting, there are a ton of logistics and things that have to be managed. So you do have to communicate what needed to be communicated could be written down and then could be looked at to make sure it wasn't nasty. And then the person who receives it could have some time to respond to it, you know, without feeling, you know, off, you know, kind of reacting just immediately to what's being said. And the other thing, bluntly, Rena, there was also a written record of what happened. Wow. And so, you know, a lot of families are in court. Sometimes they're in a pretty ugly court battle. Mm -hmm. And so all of those emails would then become sometimes swept into divorce court. And if they were nasty, they were nasty. And so email was like this wonderful arrival in the world of divorce because suddenly parents didn't mm. have to talk to each other. They didn't have to be face to face. And there was a written record of what went down. So I would say the more parents can shift their communications, if they, if they cannot get along with each other um, and cannot separate being married from being co-parents, Written communications are a real gift. Mm. So interesting. I was talking to a very high-powered
0: divorce attorney before we were taping this, and she was saying Instagram. People don't realize that Instagram has been used, and text messaging has been used quite a bit in divorce cases because it lays out exactly where you've been, what you've done, what you're thinking. Um, And people forget. People forget that you leave traces, and those traces your children can often see and can be admitted into record so
1: and so you can use this for you know problem or you can use it for good and and you know luckily email is pretty private so you know kids tend not to look at their folks emails. so but they do look at their folks texts I I want people to remember that you know kids a lot of our texts show up on our kids iPads or family iPads you know that they're not nearly as um as contained as email are and so I think you know we want to be careful about where we communicate and how and you know this actually came up in our recent episode about when do i give a kid a phone like what communication do you do under what channels and um email can make a big difference for Mm. things like this
0: we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the ask lisa podcast
1: earth breeze eco sheets look just like a dryer sheet but instead of being a dryer sheet they're in fact an ultra concentrated liquidless laundry detergent it's really the best of all worlds EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa.
0: So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid 40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and the lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks. From dry skin to dark spots and acne, this is why I love one skin they can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all women team of scientists. OneSkin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface, no irritation, no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging. One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code AskLisa at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code ASKLISA. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the AskLISA podcast sent you. I was recently watching an interview of the wife of a world leader. And in the middle of the interview, she reaches over to pull her bra strap up. And I thought, boy, this is something all women everywhere. Are struggling with. This is why I absolutely love Honey Love. I have the crossover bra, which is just so functional, but it feels so good on. I feel like I've got the support without feeling like I've got this heavy-duty bra on. I've been through all the bras. The elastic wears out, the underwire pinches into your skin, you have to hand wash some. You can only wash them this type of detergent and I just wanted something that takes out all the fuss and will support me day in and day out. Honey Love's not just supporting women, it's empowering women. So treat yourself to the best bra on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash askalisa. You can use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash askalisa to find your perfect fit. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. We hope you support the show and tell them Askalisa sent you. Honeys, you deserve this. Free the pain and discomfort and keep the support with Honey Love. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So Lisa, when you've helped counsel families, and I'm sure you've seen some really acrimonious divorces,
1: what really helps people get through that angry point and focus on the children? It can help to have support and it can help to have counseling. And and there's an important question in this that we'll come back to about finding a good clinician. Um, It can really help to separate out how I feel about that person as a spouse versus how I feel about that person as my kid's other parent um, and really try to um, support them as a co-parent, even if you can't stand them as as a spouse. I will tell you, there's more parents can do, in addition to not bad-mouthing, um, which we really want to avoid. There's two other things that parents can do that are very powerful in terms of getting things on the right track after a divorce. So the first thing, and this can feel like a stretch, but if a parent can do this, I just, I think it's an extraordinary thing. So they may know, they may not be unable to stand their ex-wife, like just cannot stand her um, and have left for any variety of reasons or the marriage is over for any variety of reasons. But if that same parent can look at their child And say, oh, that thing you do, you know, where you're able to be so funny and charming with people, you get that from your mom. If they can admire within their child outwardly and openly the best aspect of the parent that they just broke up with, that is one of the most generous and decent things I've ever watched parents do. And it's good. It's good because what it says to the kid is, yeah, no, we are not together. But that doesn't change my ability to appreciate your mom and what she's done for you and appreciate the parts of you that are like the best of her. It's like the opposite of trashing the parent, basically.
0: Wow. Wow. I, I don't know. That really just resonates. I never looked at it as when you're trashing the other parent. You're also hurting the child because they see themselves.
1: Yep. And so then parent. you can flip it and you can actually admire your ex in your wow. child and, and show them that. because But it also basically says, and this is a hugely important thing to communicate to kids in divorce situations is I want you to feel good about both of us. Just because I don't feel good about your mom doesn't mean you shouldn't feel good about your mom. And I can feel good about your mom as your mom, even though I don't feel good about your mom as my ex. Um, to, to start to keep inserting those different layers of, um, of what these relationships are really about. Because we don't want kids thinking, oh, you know, this parent's so angry at mom this parent's going to be upset with me if I have good mm-hmm. feelings about mom. Like we really want to clarify that. And so that's so like kind of um, deceptively simple gesture of saying, oh, that thing you do that like you got that from your mom. It's wonderful. It covers so much ground in saying, you know, I want you to feel good about her. I want you to feel good about both of us. I can feel good about her in terms of the best that comes from her into you. It does so much in a very small space.
0: Mm-hmm. So if I have this urge, I'm getting divorced, and I have this urge of really sticking it to my spouse who may have cheated on me, may have left me in financial ruins, definitely, I feel, destroyed the life we had, what would you say to them to get them to stop poking the bear or sticking it to them that could affect their children? Like, what's the one thing you think that can make people sort of realize why it's important to work together?
1: I really think it is this piece around, um, we we have the data. We have the data. I mean, we have been able to study this over decades. And if you really want to get kids through a divorce as unscathed as absolutely possible, the number one thing you do is you keep your conflict separate. You really, really focus on being good co-parents. But then, Rena, this gets to a second thing. I mentioned there were a couple of things parents can do. There's a second thing that's very, very tricky, which is, OK, so say the scenario you described, like right? maybe that person lied and cheated and you were like, I'm done, it's over. So then one day your 14 or 15 year old comes home and says, I don't think dad was telling me the truth about something. Right. So maybe that parent, you know, people are often, you know, they are who they are. So let's go back to this heterosexual scenario. So the mom is, you know, out of it, be, left the marriage because the dad lied and cheated. And then let's say the teenage son comes home and is like, dad said something. I don't think it's true. Right. And and the parent's thinking, I bet it's not true. Right? Like mm-hmm. he lied a lot. Okay. This I find to be a very complex moment in divorced parenting because, of course, we've got the number one rule, which is you don't trash the other parent. And so... A parent who's trying to observe that rule is like, oh, ah, <laughs> you know, like they don't know what to say. <laughs> but we also have the rule that um, we don't want to lie to our kids or we, want to, we don't want our kids to feel crazy. And so in those moments, if the parent can do it well, a good thing to remember is that even in good marriages – we explain our spouses to our kids, right? Like, <laughs> even in good marriages, we say, mm-hmm. now, you know, if you want mom to overreact, the way to do it is to leave your stuff in the middle of the dining room. And so we're not trashing the parent. We're just helping the kid navigate around the parent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. in a good divorce, it is not out of bounds if a kid comes home and says, I don't think dad's telling me the truth, for a parent, if they're in the right space, to say, you know, You may be right about this. That is one of the things I found challenging about your dad is that I could not count on him, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And if you need some support around it, I'm here to help you think about how to navigate it. But we're both here for you. And I want you to know there is a lot good in your dad. And I'm here to help you get the absolute best out of him. So that's the like asterisk on Mm -hmm. the no trashing rule. I love that. You know,
0: I want to go back to this letter because this parent race is such a good question about virtual sessions for kids and finding a good psychologist. How do you find a good psychologist? And and for people who are lucky enough to have insurance to pay for it, too, it's it's sort of hard. But I think we're also sick of Zooms, right? How do you get someone to, to really
1: jive with your kid? So... I love the question about finding a good clinician. And, and what I would say is ask around, ask your kid's school. You know, often um, the counselors at a school will have a good sense of the local talent. Ask your kid's pediatrician. There are people who specialize in divorce. I think it's really nice to work with somebody who's seen it all. You know, because divorces, they do fall in patterns. You don't have to try to figure this out for yourself. Um, the question about a six-year-old and therapy and certainly virtual therapy what I would say is with a younger child, often the parent can provide a lot of therapeutic support with good coaching. So it's not necessarily the case that a six-year-old needs to always be in therapy unless they're asking for it or are clearly having a difficulty where you've worked with someone and it becomes clear that you know the child being in therapy makes sense. I would say to this parent, maybe find a good person, even if it's virtual, who can both help you and then also help you have conversations with your child that might bring forward the feelings that need to be discussed. Um, It can work really well with younger kids for the parent to be the one talking a bit more about feelings, asking a bit more about how they're feeling. With younger kids, they're accustomed to talking with their parents about their feelings. They're not as accustomed to talking with strangers. Um, And that sometimes what happens is, there's good coaching of the parent i will do this good coaching of the parent over time and then we kind of hit a limit it's clear the kid still needs help but the what the parent can do is is you know fully done at which point then i will work with parents about bringing kids into therapy and getting therapy started and helping therapy make sense but i guess the the sum here is especially for younger kids it's not necessarily always the best first move to drop them in therapy and try to help them figure out how to use that space, the parent can often do quite a bit with help from a clinician. Mm, that's really great. What if your child doesn't want to go see
0: anyone and has shut down over this?
1: Yeah, I would say that's where a good clinician can help you, you know, start to figure out how to how to get in there and, and how to be useful and how to think about what may be causing things. I would almost feel like there's a lot of coaching that can be useful in divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We clinicians have seen so much that um, there's a lot of wisdom available and, and a lot of mistakes you don't have to make because we've we've seen it all. And so I would say get someone who feels like they can really help coach you through how to make this work for you and your kids best. Such a great point. What do you have for us for Parenting to Go? There's some great literature around divorce, and I'm going to recommend two books that I really like. One is very old. It's called Growing Up with Divorce. It's by Neil Coulter, and he's actually one of the people who trained me. And it's a very, very thoughtful and very sophisticated book that looks at divorce in terms of immediate crisis, short-term aftermath, and long-term, and also breaks it down developmentally. So it's just a fantastic book with a ton of wisdom in it. And then the other book I love um, by Corcoran and Ross has a very provocative title. It's joint custody with a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's a great <laughs> title, and I think the the book is very is very clever in that once you open it, it also leaves open the possibility that you might be part of the problem. So it's a wonderful, wonderful book. But it's brilliant, strategic, thoughtful. Um, and if you're gonna get two books on your shelf about divorce, though there are many excellent books, those are the two I would recommend.
0: Oh, I love that, that's great. And we'll put this up in our show notes for anyone who missed it. And thank you. I learned so much that I didn't realize also about parents who might be going through divorce. And yeah. if you have a friend of a, your child's friend or something, this is so helpful, this is so helpful for all of us to hear. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. And I hope you all take a moment to enjoy the holiday season. We're going to be off next week and we'll be back the following week with an encore episode. My kid looked at porn. What should I do? Happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop and send us your questions to Lisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers.